0: I remember finishing the process and just like kind of sitting for a while in this space, in this new space where I didn't have so much pain
1: mm-hmm. and I didn't
0: have so much heaviness when I thought of my sister and it was a little weird and refreshing and kind mm-hmm. of a re- huge relief. And then I was like, I think I need to do this. I think mm-hmm. this needs to be my profession.
2: You are listening to episode two, season three of the Natina Mom Legacy podcast. Have you suffered loss and are wondering where to get help? Have you ever even considered going to therapy, counseling, or coaching? In this episode, I talk with multicultural Egyptian-American mom-of-one and Harbor Light coaching brief expert Nasreen Ahmed. Join us as we discuss the different types of grief support available, and we'll show you what a real one-on-one grief coaching session looks like, as we dive deep into my current state after losing my father. Plus, we'll talk about raising a bilingual one-year-old motherhood, and how you can take a free grief assessment. Así que no te lo pierdas. You're listening to the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast, where we empower moms raising bilingual kids, talk about growing up Hispanic and Tradiciones, and celebrate motherhood. It's time to keep it real. Learn tips and tricks from other moms like you and start creating a legacy your abuela would be proud of. If you're a Latina mom or have a multicultural family like mine, then you're in the right place. I am your host, proud immigrant daughter, rockstar wife and mom to now six-year-old Victoria Grace, my legacy founder and cafecito lover, Yanni Perez. Hola, hola, como estas? How are you? I hope that you're doing well. I hope that life is treating you kind. We are fully vaccinated. Woo! And it is May and the CDC has given the green light to uh, take your mask off when you're outside. And I think some states are ready to like just throw the masks out the window. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. I really don't. I'm still skeptical. I'm still, I don't know. I think because I lost my dad to COVID, it's just, I don't know. You just become extra, extra, extra cautious. So, I mean, when we're outside, we don't wear a mask. And when we're around our fully vaccinated friends, we don't wear a mask. But uh, my mom still does. She's still a little bit cautious. And I I, kind of talk, ponte la I don't know. We'll just have to kind of wait and see how how it goes. But because we're fully vaccinated, Victoria started going to her Spanish school again. And I am so happy because she is going to be immersed in Spanish at least for a few days a week. And it's so needed. I mean, now that my mom is here uh, staying with me for a while, they've been talking Spanish more. And it's just like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It's so needed because she definitely doesn't talk uh, Spanish enough. Necesito que suelte un poquito, que suelte esa lengua. And you know she's a little bit more reserved. So, so on that note, I do want to say I have partnered with Avi. You'll hear a a quick promo that something awesome that that we have coming up for you. If you want to subscribe, it is awesome. It's something you know no te lo vas a querer perder. But um, just so you know, I just want to clarify that it is going on through the end of May. So May thirty first, twenty twenty one. You have to check it out. No te lo pierdas. You only have a few days. So if you missed it, I'm sorry. A ver, ¿qué más, qué más, qué más? Colombia. Can I just take a minute to talk about Colombia here? Hi Dios mío. It just, like, I watched the news, and right now it's hitting on a very personal level because we are waiting to take my dad's remains to Colombia, and we're kind of at the mercy of what happens. And it's been very difficult, and it's just the situation has just been very sad and upsetting, and as it has been the case throughout the world, not just in Colombia, people get tired. People get tired of of the same crap and enduring the same stuff over and over and over and over again. And people want to be heard and sometimes unfortunately the only way that they can be heard is is with violence and i don't condone violence Uh, i really don't especially when it affects small businesses and people that are really just struggling to make ends meet i really don't condone violence for that but i understand you know si nada si nada pasa if nothing occurs then i kind of get it so it's you end up kind of like in the crossroads and i don't know but it's just it's it's really it's really kind of sad and uh yeah so if you're not familiar with my story with my dad you can listen to episode one of season three which was the previous episode where i talk about my dad and and what happened with after losing him and i'm happy to share with you i had an interview done by jocelyn donozo of wfu tv and pbs and it was for a special called i think it was like COVID a year later they interviewed me and it if you're curious to see my boppy in action and our story you can check that out i'll put I'll provide a link for you in the show notes. Yeah, so COVID a year later, I hope to start traveling more as vacation and just, I miss traveling. Thank you. As I, as I speak of countries, thank you. We are now being listened to in uh, 35 countries. 35 países. Merci. Gracias. Um uh, thank you. <laughs> danke, danke <schön. laughs> thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Um, when I started this podcast a couple years ago, I just, I just wanted to reach the Latina mom next door. And now I'm reaching you across the world. So it, uh, it really, 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 really makes me so happy. So thank you so, 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 so much. I do have a big ask of you. If you like the show, If you can write a review, reviews are the way the podcast gets visibility and pops up on people's phones and suggestions and all that good stuff. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you want to click where it says episodes, like you click on the Latina Mom legacy logo, then you'll see how many episodes you scroll down where it says reviews, and then you click on write a review. Okay, just hit pause. And come back. I'll wait. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Thank you for taking that minute. Thank you so much. On today's show, because it is Mental Health Awareness Month, I talked to one of my dearest friends, Nasreen Ahmed, who just happens to be a grief coach. I'll just say it's very informative, raw and real. And she's so cute. Espero que te guste. I am so excited to have on today's guest, Nasreen Ahmed. Nazreen and I go way back she has been a longtime friend Uh, at one point we were even roommates Uh, I know her longer than my husband I can tell you that much and our relationship has just grown and evolved over the years and I love it let me just say Nazreen is not a Latina mom but she is a mom she's a multicultural mom and today we're going to be talking about grief and what she does as a grief coach Nazreen thank you so much for being on the show
0: Jenny, thank you for having me. What a pleasure and an honor. And I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with you.
2: It's a little strange, right? Like me interviewing you because I feel like we're going way back when we used to just like sit on the couch and just have these like long conversations. But now it's a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Life has changed so much, hasn't it? It has. And some things never change. Some things like our
0: relationship, you know, has evolved over time. But I'm so grateful that we still get to have these kinds of conversations.
2: Me too. Me too. So since you're not a Latina mom, tell us a little bit about your background.
0: So my family's Egyptian. Um, I was actually born overseas, but we moved here when I was three. So I was raised in Virginia. And then I've lived in New York for over 20 years. I am married to an Egyptian who has only been in the States for a few years, so definitely having some fun with the culture and the differences there. And we had our daughter last year who will be raised to know you know, all of her heritages and
2: to be proud of all of them. Are you actively speaking to her, like, what do you speak to her in, in, in Egyptian and in, in Arabic? So, yes. So um, I
0: do speak to her in Egyptian Arabic. I'm not fluent in it. Uh, my husband is, but I speak to him in Arabic and it just felt natural to speak to her in Arabic as well.
2: Now, is there a difference? Because you said Egyptian Arabic. Is there a difference between Egyptian Arabic and other, I guess, other countries Arabic or, or is it like from a region?
0: No, well, so yeah, so it's both. So every country in the Middle East has its own sort of version of Arabic, sort of dialect of Arabic. Um, So there's, like, the modern standard Arabic, which is what you learn when you go to college here in in the U.S., right? So it's the more Mm -hmm. formal Arabic that you'll only hear in lectures and the news and and in writing, right? So that's the modern standard Arabic. And then there's all these different dialects. And each country has its own dialect, but then even within each region, Mm -hmm. it has its own dialect. So, like, think about, like, you know, New York versus Alabama, how how English is different, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing between, like, Alexandria and Cairo right? There's Mm -hmm. going to be slight differences. They're not going to be as major as like Southern English versus, you know, Northern English, but there are going to be some differences, some phrases, um, you know, some pronunciation changes. So it's both based on the country and then also based on the the region.
2: You said you're speaking to Yasmin, to your daughter in Arabic. Now, do you listen to music in Arabic with her? Do you you read to her in Arabic? Tell us how you introduce the language in a typical day so
0: mostly it, it is just me speaking to her and then also we watch like nursery rhymes and like videos on YouTube that are all in Arabic intended for kids so she spent the better part of her life so far overseas in Egypt and so she was surrounded by Arabic speakers right Native Arabic speakers and they would say like especially like my sister-in-law would sing to her in Arabic you know certain songs that all the kids know right and every parent knows and so when we got back we immediately were like, Let's Google some of those videos. So my, my husband found all the different songs and i just sort of like downloaded them or like added them, subscribed, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So we do play a lot of like Arabic music intended for kids to her. But the, the books that we have so far, they've all been in English. I have not yeah. shown her any real Arabic books yet. And it's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a good point. And I also like, I, I feel like I need to start speaking to her in English Like, I don't like that idea, to be honest. Like, I really Mm -hmm. enjoy speaking to her in Arabic, but I think it's important. I was talking to a friend of mine about how children learn language, multiple languages, and she says that to have a reference parent is so important. So I feel like, Mm -hmm. obviously, I should be the English reference parent since my Arabic Mm -hmm. is not fluent and my husband should be the Arabic one. So yeah i'm kind of in the space of like i need to start talking to her in english but there's a resistance within my heart
2: no <laughs> they're gonna pick it up so much quicker when they start just gradually like watching television just their every day going to the grocery store they're everybody else outside the home is going to be speaking to them in english and if both of you speak arabic you're going to be like the only ones in not the only ones but you're going to be like her point people to speak. And as she gets older, she'll prefer English anyway. But if she has that foundation that when she's at home, she only speaks Arabic or she speaks Arabic 80 to 90% of the time, then it's going to be really helpful in her language learning development. It really is. And I've interviewed a lot of different moms and each household is different. Like if both parents speak the one language, they see that the the child adapts it easier. Some parents like in our home, Percy speaks English, I speak English and Spanish. But because as a family unit, we all speak English, Victoria prefers speaking English. So, you know, there's that battle between her and me. But if she knows that she is with a Spanish, a native Spanish speaker, she will speak Spanish. So it's just like that preference. But I would continue. I, would con- I wouldn't I would worry about it. She's solo and let her absorb, let her hear. At this point, it's very important for her to hear all of the different intonations, you know, all the sounds, how your tongue moves uh, when you speak. So all those little nuances, she's going to absorb. I would keep talking to her in Arabic.
0: I can say from my own upbringing, like my parents spoke to us in Arabic, but we always answered in English, which is why I'm not fluent, right? And I can understand it better than I can produce it. I agree in the sense I think it's important because there's so many different like guttural sounds in in Arabic, right? There's like sounds that we just don't make in English and most um, English speakers can't make those sounds well. My biggest concern, I think, in continuing to speak to her in Arabic is that because my Arabic isn't perfect, that she'll Mm -hmm. learn all the mistakes that I, you know what I mean? And like, there are certain words, there's a lot of vocabulary that I just don't know in Arabic. So I won't be able to only speak to her in Arabic as she Mm -hmm. gets older.
2: We call it Spanglish. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> where it's like English and Spanish and being able to flip back and forth has yeah. been proven scientifically to make them smarter I'm just saying it's
0: funny like it had my husband and I have a joke about how it's, it's my version of Arabic like it's like a uh, strange language because it's not you know what I mean like there's a lot of like translating from English and like especially when we first met he would be like what what is that what did you just say you know what I mean like so like we, we have learned to develop our own you know, way of communicating in Arabic, even though it's not quote, unquote, quote, unquote, proper Arabic. And so maybe that'll just be what it is with Yasmin as well.
2: And that's okay, because I think sometimes the fear is also to not educate them the correct way. But for me, unless they're going to go into a field like translation, and the actual like, Uh, grammar, proper grammar is needed. Language is for communication. And you're giving her this gift so that the day of tomorrow that she goes back to Egypt or, you know, to the Middle East, that she can communicate with people, that she can go somewhere. So that's the bottom line. You just want them to be able to communicate and it doesn't have to be perfect. Snes, thanks for sharing. I need to take a quick break and mention today's show sponsor, EDI. The EDI app is turning two, and they are offering the Latina Mom Legacy listeners a very special 50% off their yearly subscription for $14.99. What is EDI? ¿Qué es EDI? EDI is the only Spanish-language premium-based service that offers smart and safe entertainment for kids ages 2 to 6. It is an app with shows, games, and even books and interactive activities for kids, all of it of educational value value. I try to limit Victoria's screen time, but Eddie makes me feel good about what Miha is watching. And best of all, it is in a safe environment. The first 10 people to subscribe will get an additional six months for free. Un gangaso, Visit app.edi.com forward slash mi legacy or app.edy.com forward slash mi legacy. You can also check out the show notes for a direct link. No te lo pierdas. Se lo recomiendo if you're raising a bilingual child. I wanted to have Nazreen on today because, first, she's the only grief coach that I know. And above all, I wanted to offer you an opportunity to understand what a grief coach does. If you listened to the last episode, you heard my story about losing my father to COVID 19. And it's been a rough journey and one that I am still on. And I mentioned that I had been going to therapy. I am speaking with a therapist. But I wanted to have Nazreen on because she does grief coaching. And I wanted to understand the differences between what a grief coach does and what a therapist does. If you have experienced loss in your life, who are the people that you can go to and where you can seek help? So Nazreen, what is grief coaching and tell us why you decided to become one? Grief coaching in some ways is not that different than any other kind of coaching that you've heard about, you know, life coaching,
0: business coaching, um, even sports coaching, right? It's about moving you forward. It's about helping you reach your goals. And in grief coaching, it's a little bit different in the sense that you may not have the goal of like, oh, I want a new job or I want to lose 10 pounds, whatever it is. It might just be that, oh, I really want to recover from this. Like, I really want to find a way to integrate this into my life more. And so it really is about helping you move through grief. And then taking a look at the rest of your life, right? Like once we've, a lot of my clients, once we've addressed their grief, they want to then start changing other parts of their life, right? Because you can only guess that you might be experiencing this, but so often we, we kind of take stock of where we are in life, mm-hmm. right? When we lose somebody and it's like, am I on the right path? Am I in the right career? You know, am I living the way that I want to live? Mm-hmm. Am I really, you know, am I really satisfied with the way things are going right and and how can i make the most of the time that i have so obviously you may not be there with the grief that you're in right now like you might be on your journey and that's not in your world yet right mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when that when that starts to come up more and more that's a really good time to to meet with a grief coach so it's a more proactive process than you you would normally experience in therapy or in counseling you know every week there's something for you to do there's some reading involved there's some writing involved so you you feel like you have something to do with all of that all of your emotions mm-hmm all of those feelings oh I like that (laughs) yeah like for me you asked why I became a coach a grief coach is because I lost my sister she Mm. she passed away suddenly and I was like I can't breathe I couldn't Mm -hmm. breathe you know what I mean it was like Mm -hmm. what it was such a a sudden unexpected thing that I was like I don't know how to live this way right I was living in San Francisco at the time she passed away in San Francisco so I was like I gotta get out of this city I can't live here ever Mm -hmm. again so I moved back to New York and started working on Broadway. I used to do, be a costumer and, and started working on Broadway again to kind of just get a sense of normalcy, right? And Try to get, right. figure out how to stand up. I spent a lot of time in therapy. I started going to some support groups when I could finally like bring myself to take that step. And they were both good or helpful or beneficial to a certain point. I ended up seeing a therapist who didn't specialize in grief, which was one of the things that I think um, actually hindered my healing in a way. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's really beneficial for the, the therapist to have that experience and training and grief because it's such a different process than just regular talk therapy, right? I ended up going to support groups. I ended up seeing the therapist and then got to the point where, you know, the support groups and therapy, they were helpful to a certain extent and then mm-hmm. I just couldn't go any further with them. I wasn't going to continue, be able to continue my healing journey with those mm-hmm. structures, right? And um, by that point, I had I had started training to become a life and business coach, mm-hmm. and I was seeing how how helpful that was in some parts of my life, right? You know, in terms of right. move forward, in terms of helping me develop these new skills and take some risks and change my life, but was still really stuck in my grief. And mm-hmm. so, somebody in the in the training program told me that she had just met a grief coach, and I was like, hold the phone tell me what this is what's it, what's it all about i'll be honest it took me a while to call the woman <laughs> and mm-hmm. it took even longer to actually decide to work with her just cuz i was like all right i've i'm compartmentalized enough i've learned how to like try to distance myself i can i can start to breathe again you know mm-hmm. what i mean unless i think about my sister and so i don't want right. to open that door i don't want to go back into that that is a world of hurt you know what i mean that i haven't i haven't fully processed
2: were you thinking When you were introduced to this grief coach, do I really need to see a coach? Like I've already been to therapy. I've I've already been to support groups. Like, do I need another person to take me on this journey again? Like, did that ever cross your mind? I was desperate for relief. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I had done so many different things. Like I'm talking about support groups and therapy. I saw shaman. <laughs> I was like doing acupuncture <laughs> all the time. I was doing e- like, so yeah. I went to like EFT tapping person. You know what I mean? Like I was trying all of these sort of different mm-hmm. things to try to mm-hmm. help me. Cause I was like, I don't know how to live. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, how do you, how do I, how do I wear this Burden of grief every single day. How do I even get up out of bed when I'm holding on to all this? In some ways, I was so scared to open that box of emotions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To unlock that door and just—I was—I was terrified of being overwhelmed and like going right back to like the first days of the shock and the loss. But I was also desperate to find some peace. You mm-hmm. know, I was desperate to like try to resolve some of all the upset and the and the regret and the guilt and all the stuff. So it was kind of both <laughs> do I really want to go into this and then also knowing that like I really need something and if mm-hmm. this if this can help me move forward in the way that I imagine it could then I want it so yeah, so it took a while, but it was really transformational, you know. And I I use that word sparingly um, or hesitantly, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like a cliche. But w- the work that I do is called the Grief Recovery Method, and it's a step by step process. Like I said, where you have some reading to do every week, you have some writing to do, mm-hmm. and because you're not just talking, but actually taking in information, you're writing things down, you're processing. You know, your your brain starts to process things a little bit differently. So mm-hmm. by the time you've gone through this process, pretty much everybody that I've worked with, you know. They they don't expect to feel the peace that comes along with this, right? Because it, what we're really doing is talking about acceptance, we're talking about forgiveness, we're talking about all the things that you feel like you you wish you could say to your person or say again to your person, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being able to be with the hope or, or wish that things were different, things were better, things had been more... Whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So, really finding some acceptance and really finding some some ways to forgive both yourself and maybe your person, depending on the relationship and how it all went. So, it's a very holistic, very heart based process, and it really helped me see that I could have a different relationship with my sister, and it really helped me start to forgive myself for some of the things that I had done, and forgive her for some of the things Mm -hmm. that she had done that I was kind of disappointed in and and wished had been different. So, I remember. Finishing process and just like kind of sitting for a while in this space, in this new space where I didn't have so much pain Mm
1: -hmm. and I didn't
0: have so much heaviness when I thought of my sister. And it was a little weird and refreshing and kind Mm -hmm. of a huge relief. And then I was like, I think I need to do this. I think Mm -hmm. this needs to be my profession and my niche. And I don't want it to be. And it took me a long time. And so it took a while. Even after I got trained, it took a while to like really embrace it fully. Now it's like, what I'm most passionate about. Now it's what I want to talk about and and support people through every single
2: day. I love that. I love that you chose a path, a new career path based on your experience and transforming your experience or taking your experience and empowering others and helping others. So let's talk about the differences between a grief coach, a counselor and a therapist. You know,
0: it's funny, I actually just created an assessment on my (laughs) website that people can go to and they can actually like um, answer some questions and get a PDF of like where you are on your journey and who would be best supportive for you during that time. So, uh, or depending on where you are.
2: I'll be sure to provide a link for you so that if you're experiencing grief and to clarify, it's not just like losing someone. There are other types of grief, correct? 100%. There's 50, 60 plus different events in life that can cause grief. So, if you're just really sad, (laughs) if you're just really sad and experiencing some sort of loss, then you can check out the assessment. Like I said, I'll be sure to provide a link in the show notes for you to see whom you should seek. Absolutely. So,
0: let's talk first about therapy. So, when you go to a grief therapist, more often than not, you're in complicated grief. You're going to be really struggling to get just the basics of your day done right like the basic tasks that you need. Um, and it could be a variety of things where maybe the relationship you had with the person you lost is really complicated or um, maybe there's other you know losses that are coming up as a result of this loss and there's just a lot of factors that, that go into it. So it, most people who, who want to see a grief therapist are going to be dealing with like a lot of severe emotions and a lot mm-hmm. of severe um, frustration in just getting through the day. That's usually who um, is best served by by therapist when they're going through grief.
2: So if I'm understanding correctly, it's it's basically if you're in a situation where you can't get through the day and then it's potentially hindering your physical activities, then you should seek a grief therapist.
0: Yes. I mean, these are these are generalizations, so mm-hmm. certainly if somebody is most comfortable with therapy and that's what they need, go for it. But these are these are sort of the main guidelines that I've seen and that I walk with.
2: Like for me, I am not seeing a grief therapist. I'm just seeing our family therapist and a regular therapist is different again from a grief therapist.
0: Yeah. I mean, they have just more, the grief therapist is more trained to deal with grief and loss and, and the ramifications of that. And a lot of times when you're in traditional talk therapy, like seeing a family therapist, like you are, you're going to have more general conversations, right? Right. You're going to be talking Mm -hmm. a little less about the grief itself, right? Yes.
2: And that has been my experience. So it is more about how we're functioning as a family unit, how the grief has impacted our day to day. And the focus is you're right. It's less on the actual grief and it's more on each person's role in the family and how they can support me in this journey. So it's even Victoria has her role. Uh, My husband has his role. So it's kind of navigating that, but you're right. We don't talk about, I mean, we have sessions where I just let it all out. It doesn't just focus on the grief. And look,
0: that might be exactly what you need right now, but that might not be what everybody else needs. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and depending on where you are, if you are seeing a therapist and you feel like you're not getting the kind of support that you need specifically for your grief, but sort Mm -hmm. of having these general conversations instead, then I would either say, talk to a grief coach or grief counselor, right? So the grief counselor is going to be the person that kind of addresses your immediate loss, right? I always talk about grief counseling and therapy as sort of like swimming laps in a pool, So Mm -hmm. you're building the muscles, you're building the muscles of resiliency, you're building the muscles of understanding how to walk again, right? I always talk about grief as kind of like sending us to our knees, right? Like Mm -hmm, it's hard mm -hmm. to be anything other than a puddle on the floor at first. And then slowly we're like, okay, we can kind of try to stand on our knees and then we can try to stand up a little bit. And so that point where you're still on your knees or you're just learning to stand, that's really great for counseling. Mm -hmm. because you're getting some tools, some resources going deep into the loss itself mm-hmm. and figuring out how, how to bear it or how to, how to actually address the grief, right? Not just the generals that come along. And there's so many other things that come along with grief, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So oh, that's yeah. when a counselor
0: is, <laughs> and we'll get there, but that's when a counselor is really helpful. And then a grief coach is sort of that final step where it's like, I've gotten as much as I've, I, I can get from these other modalities. I don't want to do laps anymore. I want Mm -hmm. to get up. I want to stand up. I want to, again, kind of work through any of the remaining grief Mm -hmm. that's really holding me back. And again, because this is a proactive process that I do, what, what I tell people is we are going to talk about your pain and going to alleviate the pain. We're not going to cure you of your sadness or your emotions. We're not going to... Have you stop missing your person because that won't happen, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You will always love, you'll always miss your person. That never goes away, right? And right. they're always with you in your heart and that love stays with you. That's that. But the pain that you're in, that's usually not fully addressed by either therapy or counseling, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. they again they're just sort of talking about it. So your brain isn't processing in quite the same way as you would with a coach. And so that's when I go in and, and we really work on the pain, again, the loss itself, the relationship, how things went, forgiveness, right? So we kind of go deep into that so that by the time we're done, again, it's time to be like, okay, this has happened. I've had I've I've had an opportunity to integrate it, you know, into my life, <laughs> mm-hmm. heart, and now I can again kind of look at what's next.
2: How do you think a grief coach can help someone like me that has experienced a COVID loss?
0: I think there's a number of ways, depending on where you are and what you need. Mm -hmm. It's a little hard to answer that question only because it's so, you know, the work that I do is so specific to the individual and what Mm -hmm. they need. I will say that most people who have gone through a loss during COVID are also struggling with some of the things that you and I have talked about, right? Like, so it's like, we can't have a funeral. We can't have a viewing, you know, Mm -hmm. we have some rituals or traditions within our faith, within our culture, um, right. around loss, around death, and we can't complete those. But it's it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to have to endure mm-hmm. all that you're enduring. Like, loss itself is such a um, tremendously difficult experience. And mm-hmm. then add on top of that, the pandemic, add on top of that, right. the isolation, and the quarantine, add on top of that, the anxiety that comes with, like, you mm-hmm. know, um, the changes in routine and the the uh, restrictions that we have, you know, there's so many different things. Mm-hmm. So it. It is a quite challenging time. And what I have started doing in addition to the one-on-one coaching that I do is started to create uh, healing circles with uh, Mm -hmm. another coach um, who's worked in hospice for over 15 years. And together, um, we're really trying to build a community of people that can come together week after week. And it's a little less structured than the coaching that I offer, but it's, it's really meant to kind of build community and allow us to walk with each other. And I hope serves every single person who walks through our virtual doors.
2: I think that's great. And it's definitely needed because you're right. You feel so isolated. You feel so alone, specifically after you suffer a COVID loss. And you are trying to rely on your immediate support network. And unfortunately, sometimes that immediate support network may not be around. I think a lot of people need that need to find comfort in others that are experiencing similar grief to understand that you are not the only person that's going through this is very helpful. And
0: yeah, I mean, we're, we're social beings, right? We're not intended to go through these kinds of events and experiences alone. And I will say, you know, sometimes we want to rely on the people around us, but they don't know how to support us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I had a I had a client a while back who wanted to share some of my of our work together with his wife, and he's like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Does your wife hold safe, you know, nonjudgmental space for you?" And he was like. Yeah, I'm not going to share. She probably won't know how to not somehow judge or give me advice or, you know, try to right. fix what I'm feeling. Right? right. And I think it's it's really important to have the people around you who know how to just hold space, how to listen, how yeah. to love, how to allow for all the stuff that's going to come up. Right. And, yeah. and you know, one of the things that, that I'm really committed to as a coach is empowering my clients, even mm-hmm. in grief. You're grieving, you're not broken. You know, your friends and family, as well-meaning as they are, may not be the right people to rely on, especially if you're like really in, in the beginning stages or really intensely feeling grief.
2: So because I've never seen a grief coach or gone to grief counseling, I have been very open about my therapy. Uh, I wanted us to do a sort of sample session of what someone like me would do when they would go see you or have a meeting with you, a virtual meeting with you, what that meeting would look like and sound like. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little nervous because, in all honesty, Ness and I haven't really spoken very much or deeply about everything that I've kind of gone through and am going through. But no, I'm I'm very open to it. So let's do it. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Well, I will
2: say I'm going to do this a little bit differently um, than I
0: normally would, and I'll just offer some coaching. Now, most people, when they come to me for the first time, there's a little bit less coaching and there's a little bit more just like consultation intake, you know, like what have you gone through? How are you feeling? I usually have more questions mm-hmm. um, about the, the logistics and about what they're what they're actually dealing with so I can make sure that I'm a good fit for them, right? Like I can make sure they're ready to be coached because a lot of times people come to me and they actually need counseling or they need therapy. And so I will refer them out as necessary. So that would usually be my my intake. Um, Mm -hmm. And since this is our actual first conversation, Mm -hmm. I'm not
2: going to do that. But that's what a first session would look like. Somebody would come to you like I would come to you and you would basically take everything in and assess if you're a right fit. Precisely.
0: Yeah. And even if they are ready for coaching, am I the coach for them? Because I can also refer them to other grief coaches, you know, so I want to make sure that they feel comfortable, they feel seen and heard and Mm -hmm. they feel safe, you know, and that they're ready to do the work. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I always talk about healing as a very proactive process mm-hmm. and you got to be willing to show up and do the work week after week, right. you know, really like, um, mm-hmm. uh, a willingness to go in, to go deep.
2: Okay. I love that. Okay. So assuming that I went in and we are a good fit. So the second or third session would, would start how?
0: So let me just say what I would normally say, which is everything is confidential. <laughs> and, um, Until now. <laughs> <laughs> everything's confidential, and I would never share any of your information with anyone else. And I really just would love to hear more about, you know, what you'd like to get coached on. Like, what are the things that feel most pressing or most important? What are the things that you would like to explore today?
2: Oh, my gosh. That's like a loaded question for me, because I don't know if I know I feel like I'm feeling so many things and so many things have gone through through my head and that I'm going through now that I don't know if there's one thing specific because there's so many different levels and so many different areas. It's just a lot of stuff that will require big decision making. However, these decisions cannot be made today. They're kind of being made Uh, on a case-by-case, let's wait and see. So a lot of things. So I feel like right now I am struggling with accepting that there are a lot of things out of my control because I tend to want to control and plan and I can't. And I I think all of it started even before my dad passed away. Because, and I mentioned this in the previous episode, that I was very upset that we had planned to go for Christmas, to spend Christmas as a family, because it had been a number of years that we had been together. And I felt like that was taking that was taken away from me. And the fact that it didn't happen, that I couldn't control it, that I think it started there. And then... Everything else has been sort of like, as much as I would love to have my mom living with me, I can't control her and I can't tell her what to do. She's her own person and what I may think is best for her, she may not think is best for her and she can decide that she wants to live alone and that's something that I can't control. And I can't control the situation in Colombia right now and have a set date of when I can take my, like my dad to rest. And I think like, that's my struggle right now is accepting that as much as I want to, I can't, and I don't know if, if being the type of person that I am, like, I, like, this is my to-do list. This is what I have going on. Like not being able to have that concrete you know that written i'm in that space where i don't know how to deal with that i would say that's probably the biggest thing that i need help with
0: (laughs) thank you for sharing all that on your podcast too
2: i know (laughs) well i'm talking to you it doesn't feel like like yeah but
0: you're helping so many other people and you know i'm guessing so many people can relate as a fellow controller, I'm like, oh, I feel it. I feel it. You mm-hmm. know, I feel what you're going through. So my heart is with you. My heart is yeah. with you. Tell me if we're going to if we're gonna dive into the idea or the topic of control and acceptance. And we got probably about twenty minutes, right? Like mm-hmm. what what would you like to walk away with by the time we're done?
2: I would I would like to walk away with um mm-hmm. some sort of tool or exercise going back to that like that to do (laughs) like something that I can fall back on or read when I'm feeling overwhelmed when I'm ready to do something and for reasons outside of my control I can't so I'll give you an example so for example we had planned on taking my dad um And it's still tentative um, in August. There's a lot of stuff going on in the country in addition to the pandemic and stuff. And some of our our family in Colombia is saying, okay, it's really not a good time to come. So something like that where, again, like we were ready to buy our tickets two weeks ago. And now it's, um, I need to wait. I can't, I can't do anything. I can't schedule a plane ticket. I can't call the church to schedule a service in Colombia. I let my family know if we're going and if they do a service, who's going to be able to do the service. And because I've been the one taking care of a lot of the legal and uh, helping my mom with the legal, financial, everything that happens when somebody dies. So for me, trying to keep everything in order, okay, I'll try to keep it as in order as much as I can but for those moments where somebody throws me through a loop where I think that I had it planned that I think for my peace of mind okay I know this is happening I know this is this is what's coming up for those instances where it's like like a truck just hits me and then when that truck hit I'm flooded with so many emotions it's just I give myself a lot of things to do a lot of busy stuff. And I think I don't put my feelings aside, but I also feel that, that I don't always address the pain because I'm busy doing all this other stuff. And it's when I get to that point where that truck hits that, that I'm I'm not in, in control, that it's not just that, that becomes like a domino effect. And then I go back to so many other things and And then all the emotions come flooding back. I think in those instances, specifically, I would like to know, what do I do? What can I do? So that, I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but that I don't feel so overwhelmed by everything that's happening on in that particular moment.
0: Can I just normalize your experience? uh, (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Like you said earlier, everybody has their own experience of grief. And so many of us are doers who just want to keep doing and and going and crossing things off the to-do list and logistics. And, you know, like there's there's almost like a comfort in just like having something to do, right? So I think a lot of people out there can really relate to your experience of like, not fully knowing what to do when those emotions come up and, mm-hmm. and having that domino effect and feeling of overwhelm. And then all the different things that you had that were giving you some semblance of control or peace of mind are out the window, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a, a jarring effect. And so what you're looking for is really like a tool or an exercise, some kind of resource that will give you some relief and, and help you kind of come back mm-hmm. to yourself, it sounds like, when mm-hmm. those emotions, when that truck starts starts to ram through your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tell me what you normally use to calm yourself, to feel better. Like, what What in normal, quote,
2: unquote, normal time <laughs> do you do? I'm laughing. At, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm starting to laugh because what I do to get my anger, my frustration, one is I either go to the gym and I take a workout class, so like I, I go to Zumba, or I clean hysterically. <laughs> So I'll be at one o'clock in the morning cleaning or I could be like super tired, but it just like all of a sudden I have to clean the bathroom. Cleaning gives me, I think it's a sense of immediate satisfaction. It's physical and it gets my frustration out. And then the end result, I'm happy with the end result. So same thing, same thing with when I work out, it's, it's physical, I can get angry or I can jump or I can, I feel good. That's enough to kind of get me, get me out of the funk or get me, you know, to a better place.
0: Mm -hmm. So there's, there's sort of two different things that, that are, there's, there's two commonalities. It's the physical release Mm -hmm. and it's the the end result of feeling good of some sort of satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Can we, Explore control for a few
2: minutes. Sure, <laughs> going deep. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, what is your relationship to control? Let me ask
2: that. I'm sure that some of it has to do with with my upbringing, and I would say, like uh, as adults, like a lot of our issues, not all of our issues, stem from from childhood and things that were said or done, et cetera, et cetera. For me, I think control was. My dad was my hero. My dad was everything for me. But interestingly enough, growing up our upbringing was a little harsh and my father was was a great father, but I think because he had a very hard upbringing. I think he instilled in us core values that come from a lot of the, the immigrant families that come is that you work very hard. You're trying to leave a situation in hopes of a better life, a better dream for your family. And you try to leave behind that life of whether it's abuse, whether it's poverty, you try to leave that behind in hopes for a better future. And with my father, he came from a very poor upbringing. And I may even dare to say, probably abusive even though he never spoke about it he never talked about it it was just a very hard life so growing up my father was also a military man so growing up he always had the power he always had the control so he he controlled what my mom was allowed to do and not allowed to do he controlled what we as obviously kids, but, you know, what we were allowed to do, whether we were allowed to frustrations that a lot of Hispanic families have that traditional American families don't have. I don't know if in, in Arabic families, but like if I wanted to go to sleep over it, that was like, hell no, that's not going to happen. Or just very strict with you have to have a good age. You have to get straight A's. And I'm not saying that it was bad, but I think because he was so strict, because he was so controlling. I left my house when I was 18. And I didn't just leave my house, I left to another state. And I left to another state with a boyfriend, I wasn't married, because I just really wanted to piss my father off. So I think that that control, coming from a house full of control, and not being able to do what I wanted to do. I think that as i went to college and moved to new york and moved through relationships and 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 did different stuff i said i'm going to do what i want to do nobody's going to tell me what to do i grew up with everybody telling me what i could and couldn't do since nobody can tell me what to do the only person that can tell me what to do is me and therefore i have that control mm-hmm. so i think now because i'm so used to doing so much that when there are things that I want to do or I feel like I need to do and I can't do them, I don't know how to process that. Like with my dad passing away, you don't have the power of when the person you love can go. Yeah, you wanted to spend Christmas, but it's not in your control. So not having, not being a, I don't know how to, how to manage those feelings. I don't know how to, how to process that world. <laughs> so that's where control comes from. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to offer a reflection. Is that okay? Sure. Control equals power. And you like to be in power, right? Like you'd like to have that control and that mm-hmm. ability to say, I'm going to do whatever, right? And, and have that ability to rebel. It sounds like a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. To piss people off and to just mm-hmm. do it. And at the same time, you know, on a different level, you don't have control, right? Like there's mm-hmm. hurricanes, there's natural disasters, there's global pandemics, there's death, there's, you know, there's so many different unknowns and so many different um literally things we don't have control over. Mm-hmm. right? So, so it's like on one level, on kind of what I think of as like your, your sage, your higher, wiser self, you know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that we're never really in control. Mm-hmm. But the... the brain and the automatic of like just do 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 Mm -hmm. and control 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 doesn't like it Mm -hmm. right that's that's where like that disconnect comes in like like almost like Mm -hmm. how do I deal with this right so could we take a minute to kind of step into that wiser self
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like if we can just maybe like I don't know if you need to stretch or like sit back in your chair, mm-hmm, sit up right, mm-hmm. take some deep breaths. You know, you can rub your fingers, your hands together. Mm-hmm. Just something to kind of connect to a different part of you. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. Do that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just curious if you can, from a little bit of a wiser, sort of uh, empathic part of you. Mm-hmm
2: just for a visual for you listening i i have lavender oil here <laughs> that a very good friend of mine gave me and when i'm feeling like a little bit overwhelmed that's what i do i just like rub it on my hands just to kind of like smell and kind of give me like like a a distraction if you will so that's what i'm doing and
0: that's beautiful yeah yeah so as you're calming your nervous system with the lavender mm-hmm. you know and really starting to connect to that uh, more wiser, all-knowing, right, all-empathetic part of you, Mm -hmm. what what does that part of you want to say to your brain
2: right now? (laughs) Relax. (laughs) Relax. Even, like, I'm talking to you, and I'm stressed out. I'm, like, I have, there's a lot of tension. I feel a lot of tension in my shoulders. (laughs) Yeah. Go for a little bit. (laughs) My daughter just walked in and. (laughs) Okay, go. Okay, for a little bit. Okay, go. (laughs) Close the door. And then I think that's also part of it is like the interruptions, like the just the every day, like that was just it adds to my stress where where I'm trying to like have a mental break, or and I I feel like sometimes like I can't, I'm not allowed to have that mental break because I always have to be on for my daughter or I have to be on for my mom. I'm not allowed to relax. Like I, I have to be like on guard, and so. Even trying to like, like I, I'm sitting here. I'm like my shoulders. Like I, I feel tension in my neck. I feel tension in my shoulders. Like, and part of me is like, girl, you need to relax. Like, <laughs> and I can't.
0: Your brain is so used to doing those things, those automatics, those doings, those being in control. That and it's really comfortable that way. And so, to have to change is uncomfortable.
1: You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So
0: I get that, and I get that there's. A lot going on in your life you know where you are such a support for your mom for your daughter right and and that feeling of needing to be on to be there for them to be with them you know like I totally appreciate that totally appreciate that and yet that wiser part of you is like you need to relax right Mm -hmm. like you need you need this for yourself
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: Look, this is a, a much larger conversation than we have time for in, in just, you know, what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes that we've been talking. But I wonder if maybe relax could be a tool, right? You, you asked earlier, you said, you don't if like I could have a tool or a resource, an exercise, mm-hmm. something to do when all those flood when that flood of emotion comes.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I know it, it, it might sound trite,
1: mm-hmm. you know I mean?
0: but I wonder if relax could be a tool. Could Mm -hmm. be a practice, right? And like, I highly recommend if you're going to take on a practice, do it daily, right? Do it multiple Mm -hmm. times a day, like snippets, you know, if you Mm -hmm. can't have five minutes, give yourself two minutes, right? Mm -hmm. If you can't have an hour, take 10, whatever it is, right? Like if it has to be 30 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Then have 30 second mini mental breaks or mini intentional moments of relaxation.
2: Mm. Does that land for you? Yeah, I have two minutes. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when I think of like relaxing, like all I'll immediately, I'm like, Oh, my goodness, I don't have time for a, a, a meditation like a, a 3040 minute meditation. But, but I can intentionally take out a few minutes out of the day, like before I pick her up, or before she's she meaning my daughter before she's home. And just kind of like I, I told them, like, I need an hour so that I can have this interview. I can tell them I need 10 minutes of uninterrupted time so that and I could just tell them that I'm, I have an interview. It sounds better.
0: <laughs> I have an hour long yeah. interview.
2: They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're less likely to interrupt, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have an interview now with myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I
2: have a, yeah. a meeting with myself, right?
0: Yeah. Nice.
2: Okay. Would you be willing
0: to take that on? Yeah. Yeah. Does does that feel like it would support you? I mean, I want to, like, I know it's a suggestion from me and I want to make sure it actually feels like something that's really valuable for you.
2: Yeah. I have to try it. I have to see how I like to exercise. That's how I like to start my day. And unfortunately, after my dad died, everything, my normal schedule went out the door before I, I used to wake up around five o'clock in the morning and have like the first two hours to myself. And then before I would get Victoria up and about. And, and now my schedule is now I'm up around seven thirty, and it's immediately to take care of her and my mom and everybody else. And I'm taking care of me, me, meaning my to do's, my, At 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning. So I'm shifting. And that's not natural to me. And I'm going to try and shift back to how it was. Because I prefer having the mornings of. I still do my gratitude in the morning. That's my my little space for me. But it's not enough for me. Like I need more time. So uh, trying to find that balance of like how can I shift back to what my body is used to like the the natural, my natural rhythm after it's reshifted now to this unnatural rhythm that's now become my norm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm tired all the time now because I'm to going to bed at 10 or 11, not at one and two in the morning. It's mm-hmm. just,
0: mm-hmm. can I offer one more thing before we wrap up? Sure. So as a fellow controller, like I said, and a fellow doer, I think that it's connected to what we're talking about, but I also want to encourage you to look at your being, address your being,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? We're always doing, doing, doing. We're always checking off the boxes. We're always, you know, on to the next thing. And we don't always just stop and be, right? And and mm-hmm. I have it. That's part of what relaxing is for you. And part of what having mm-hmm. your two hours in the morning is, it's just like you get mm-hmm. to be before mm-hmm. you have to turn on, right? Mm-hmm. And so really being intentional about, giving yourself space, right. Mm-hmm. Giving yourself and really allowing yourself to just be without the doing mm-hmm. and allowing that to be doing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. allowing that to be productive, allowing that to be important, mm-hmm. allowing that to be just as important as your to-do list, right. Cause mm-hmm. especially in grief, like we need so much more support than normal.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I
0: mean? Like you, you've got so much more going on than ever before and to get just ridiculous amounts of support and allow yourself ridiculous amounts of space and time and love mm-hmm. and compassion, you know, and mm-hmm. and giving more to yourself, being greedy right now as much as you can, giving more to yourself.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: uh, so often we're taught that we have to like be strong for others. Right. And it's like,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> how do I be strong when I'm empty? Right. How do I be strong right. when I'm on my face? You know, and so yeah. really looking for you at just allowing yourself to be more. Mm-hmm. And do less.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Can
0: mm-hmm. I ask what the big takeaways were for you? Overall, just processing.
2: Processing and being able to talk to somebody about about specific feelings and frustrations. Because like I said before, like m- therapy has focused on the family. My takeaway is, okay, this has been focused on me on what what I'm feeling and all the stuff that I need to process it's good it's good it feels it feels good it feels like a a release Mm, I like it I like it (laughs) what can I acknowledge you for huh what can I acknowledge you for what do you mean
0: (laughs) so at the end of every coaching session I always acknowledge the person (laughs) that I've been talking to um So this is your opportunity to to say what you want to be acknowledged for, whether it was something specific in this conversation, or if it was something, uh, it's something about how you're showing up in life, how you're doing life, right? Who you're being in your life. Um, I'm happy to acknowledge you for all of it.
2: You want me to tell you how you can praise me? Is that what it is? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) How weird. (laughs) Uh
0: Notice listeners, her response, the woman who's always giving,
2: how she doesn't want to receive. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's, uh, and I'm like, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Um, uh, I, I, you, like, I'm at a loss for words. Um, I think I'm going to (laughs) cry. (laughs) I think I would like to be acknowledged for doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm.
0: Jenny, (laughs) I acknowledge your heart. And just the amount of love that you have, this massive love you have for your dad, for your family, I acknowledge the rock that you are for your family. I mean, you shared how much you're doing in terms of helping your mom, in terms of the logistics, you know, seeing and, and taking care of all the finances, like all the different things that you're doing, um, having your mom with you, right? Like you, you've been so much of a support for so many other people and I, I i see and i hear you doing way more than you think you are you know and way better than you think you are and i really acknowledge it i acknowledge your strength your courage your your vulnerability your willingness to share and hopefully to help others right like i just again your heart like i just see so much flowing from you and i really really hope you're letting that in and I really, really hope even more that you're allowing yourself to be served and supported. And just if you're not, get it all now. Get it in. Get get like every bit of you. I'm thinking like, like having sand underneath you that just keeps rising because you're so supported. Just allowing yourself to receive and receive and receive all the love, all the strength, all the courage, everything that people are sending you and um, giving that to yourself.
2: Thank you. Yeah. hi Mm. thank you Ness thank you Mm. I love you so much I love you too thank you for doing this with me Ness if people want to contact you and connect with you uh, how can they do that So
0: the two best ways are through my website, HarborLightCoaching.com, and then finding me on Instagram at at HarborLightCoaching. On my website, you you can contact me. I'm happy to offer any and all of your listeners a free 30-minute consultation, and they could also check out the grief assessment. And like I said, Mm -hmm. those are the questions that people can answer, Mm -hmm. and they'll get an idea of what kind of support they need depending on where they are in their grief journey right now.
2: Nezreen, thank you so much for being on. This has uh, been very helpful. It honestly has been very helpful. Uh, I hope that our listeners can take this mini session and see if it's something that could potentially work for them, whether it's grief counseling, grief coaching, or grief therapy. As you can see, I have a lot of emotional stuff that I'm dealing with. And grief is something that is a journey and it's a process and it's very individual. And if you feel like you're stuck somewhere, then it's good to get the help that the right help that you need. So Ness, thank you so much for clarifying uh, the differences and for, for helping us. You, you were great. Thank you.
0: Mm-hmm. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for letting me walk with you in this moment.
2: We are back. And after that segment, I think it would be nice to take a little break and end on a high note. So it is a show tradition that we ask our guests the same round of questions. So Nezreen, this is your first round of questions. Let's do it. What is your biggest struggle as a mom?
0: I I think the biggest struggle right now so interesting the biggest struggle right now is trying to understand how I can be everywhere at once (laughs) like how can I um be at home with my my baby as much as possible and then how can I work my business as much as possible and then how can I be a wife and be in my relationship as much as but you know it's like like I'm just there's there's just this it feels like this like Divide of time, where I don't have enough to give to everybody,
2: I feel you, and uh, I think everyone, all the moms listening feel you and hear you. and and then with it, you have the guilt because when you're spending time with your child, then you're not you feel guilty because you're not spending time on your business or whatever it is that you're working on, your passion. and When you're Mm -hmm. spending time on your business, you're not spending time with your child or with your husband. So you feel guilty. So it's a constant, constant juggling act and struggle. Um, it's, (laughs) It's my constant struggle. So I hear you. I empathize with you. What is the best advice that you've gotten from a mom or your mom? Uh, the best I've, uh, advice I've gotten, and,
0: and let me tell you, everybody likes to give advice when you're pregnant. Like all yeah. of a sudden, like every parent comes out, every grandparent comes out and they're like, here's what you should do. Right. Uh, all the in-laws are like, oh, okay, okay. We got you, you know? So it's like, um, okay. So the best advice I got was everything is temporary. So like, if she's sleeping well, it's temporary. If she's not sleeping well, it's temporary. However she is that day or what she, what, you know, phase she's in, it's all temporary and it's constantly evolving. And that has helped me so much in terms of, like, wanting to have certain expectations and then realizing, nope, today's a different day. Who knew today would be
2: like this? (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) Finish the sentence. Growing up Egyptian, I? (laughs) Growing up Egyptian,
0: I have only just started to appreciate my uniqueness, I guess, like for so long growing up Egyptian, I was like, no, I want to be just like everyone else because most of the kids in my, my classes were American. Right. And finally, I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm Egyptian. Yeah. I'm kind of American. Yeah. I'm kind of, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. now I'm appreciating it. Now I want to get kind of closer to my culture and and pick and choose what I want to give to my daughter from that from both cultures.
2: Yeah. I love that. What is one traditional Arab dish that you'd like to pass down to your daughter and why?
0: Grape leaves or dolmas in Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, my sister, my sister who I talked about earlier, she she loved grape leaves. Those were like her favorite foods. Um, and my mom would make them special for her like whenever, <laughs> all the time, you know, for any, any major birthday or, or holiday, any event, my mom would make her those grape leaves. So even though I don't love them like my sister did, um, I would like to pass that on. I'd like to learn how to do it better and pass it on to my daughter.
2: Oh, I love that. Okay. What is a traditional Egyptian home remedy that you swear by?
0: Well, one thing that I definitely appreciate is is just lemon and honey tea. They're so, so big on lemon and honey and ginger. Mm-hmm. um it's like every you know for almost every stomach ache you have um so that i definitely agree with and appreciate
2: Nazreen, what do you want your legacy to be Wow what do i want my legacy to be
0: Mhm I want to change lives I want to make a difference for people especially during the worst parts of their lives and i hope my legacy is that there's there's an active path to healing when we're ready and when we're willing and when we are, are ready to choose it and just show up for ourselves.
2: Love that. Thank you. Nazreen, once again, where can people connect with you? Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Harbor Light Coaching.
0: Um, you can also check out my website, harborlightcoaching.com. And there uh, you can send me an email or you can jump on and take the grief assessment. Um, we're just finishing the the final touches on that. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, and you can sign up for my newsletter and start to get more information about me and, and what we're doing. I'm also uh, co-leading a healing circle with my dear friend, Allison. And that is starting on Tuesdays at 530. So if anybody's gone through a loss and they want to come check it out, they can come twice uh, for free and just see if it's a good fit for them.
2: And is that in person or is that on Facebook or on Zoom?
0: Oh, thanks. That Yes, that's a virtual weekly meeting on Zoom. It's an hour long and we meet pretty much every week to come together, talk about where we are, talk about how we can move forward um, and really just offer support, guidance, you know, at, and as many helpful inf- bits of information as we can. So links and resources, websites, articles, everything we got.
2: Wonderful. And I'll be sure to provide links in the show notes for you. It has been awesome having you. I learned so much. And thank you so much for our coaching session. It really I really appreciate it. It really helped.
0: Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to be here. And I, I just adore you. And so glad to be able to, to offer you whatever I can. Um, and thank you for letting me be on the first Egyptian or multicultural, non Hispanic, non latina woman on your show. That means a lot.
2: I love Nazreen and her calmness. I always find it so soothing to talk to her. I know she's a great coach. Here are some takeaways from today's episode. Grief therapy, grief counseling, and grief coaching are all different types of support that can help you navigate the different stages of grief. The type of support you may need will depend on where you are in your grief journey. Make sure you and your support system are a good match and don't feel obligated to stay with that support if you don't feel like you're moving forward. Your family and friends, while supportive, may not offer the professional and judgment-free space that you need. Finally, don't be afraid to seek help. You are not alone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at Legacy. You can also sign up for La Lisa and stay up to date with everything that's going on by simply clicking on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit the latinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. You'll also find links to today's recommendations and show special. Finally, want to support this podcast? The best way to show your support is to write a review. Reviews are a way the podcast can get visibility and power other moms like you to connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Un beso, un abrazo y hasta la próxima. Chao, chao. What do you want your legacy to be?